Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal, editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There's a lot of focus these days on the STEM professions, science, technology, engineering, and math. But those who were born with an artistic or a creative temperament really have no choice but to follow that passion. So how do you turn a creative spirit into a profession that will support you for life? With me today to discuss this is Colleen Waguspack, owner of Colleen Waguspack Interiors. Colleen is a graduate of LSU and started her career in Washington, D.C., where she worked for commercial architecture firms designing corporate interiors. In 2007, she and her husband moved with their three sons to Baton Rouge, and shortly after that, she joined a nationally renowned interior design firm based in New Orleans. In 2015, she founded Fig and Dove, a couture line of holiday decor designed to complement the interiors she was working on. And then the following year, she launched her own eponymous firm, Colleen Waguspack Interiors. Colleen is known for a signature style that includes a well-edited home that reflects each client's personal taste, lifestyle, and background. She likes to take her clients' ideas and guide them towards a modern aesthetic, inspiring them to refine and expand their sense of style. And Colleen, it's always a beautiful style, and we enjoy seeing spreads all over local magazines and now even some national magazines. So thanks so much for joining us on Out to Lunch. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. I do love the idea of networking within the Baton Rouge community. So thank you for the opportunity. Great. Well, with me and Colleen is Brad Bongiovanni, President and Chief Creative Officer at Rocket Science, a Baton Rouge-based advertising agency that specializes in branding, advertising, website development, and public relations. Brad founded Rocket Science 20 years ago, and in the years since, it has represented clients in a variety of industry sectors, including petrochem, hospitality, retail, and entertainment, as well as a lot of nonprofit organizations. Brad is a third-generation artist and inventor who professes to understand the delicate balance of insights and their application to the creative form, which gives birth to successful brands. Like Colleen, he is very active in the Baton Rouge community and is involved with civic and philanthropic organizations. And Brad, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. Well, Colleen, I'm going to start with you. You you majored in interior design in the LSU School of Interior Design, which is is quite well recognized in the very famous College of Art and Design. And, and is this what you always had aspired to do as a child? Did you want to grow up to be an interior designer? Well, I definitely always pictured myself doing something creative. And um, I think you were right. You said it earlier. Creative people must create. So I was definitely land somewhere in the creative world. And actually, when I went to LSU, I thought I was going to major in the fine arts. And my dad, who's an attorney and had raised six kids and did not intend to financially support us for the rest of our lives, 
called me in and said, um, after my freshman year, you are not going to be an artist. Let me be clear. You need to find a job with benefits and figure out something that allows yourself to be creative, but something that actually has a paycheck and benefits. And I actually think that was great advice. And he also said at the same time as Colleen, you're an extrovert and you're a people person. So the idea of painting in the studio by yourself all day long is not going to work. And I completely agree looking back because the more, I, I, the more people around me, the more ideas I have. So sometimes even I walk into a meeting, I haven't thought of anything before the meeting, but the minute you put me in front of everybody, I have all the answers. So I totally agree that number one, I actually did need the security of a job with benefits. And number two, I actually need people. I like going to an office. I like having staff to talk to about. And I never feel like at the end of the day, it was all my ideas. I'm a we person. So I think I need the group because I'm like, oh, we did this and we came up with this. And I think uh, all of his uh, foresight was actually very valuable. So I found the School of Interior Design. And within that curriculum, I was actually able to use my artistic side and to get some graphic design experience and to get a little bit of marketing and branding. And I think everything that I needed to actually find a career path really in one curriculum. That is so great. And I, and I love that you listened to your dad's advice. I mean, you're, you're, you're a little bit younger than I am, but, but at least we're the same generation and parents could still tell us stuff and we would listen to it today. You know, they'd have to go out and find it on their own and they'd be starving artists, but um, that was sound advice. And, and I look forward to you explaining how you went from that point to actually getting clients and becoming so successful and well-known, but Brad, I want to bring you into the conversation first. I mean, did you have a similar experience and, and did you always think you wanted to uh, run an ad and creative agency? Oh, well, I always tell people I got really lucky because my grandfather is or was a sign painter. So he worked in New Orleans as a sign painter in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and was doing artwork when the, uh, the circus would come in town, they would commission him to design the poster or the air show. And then he landed a job with, at the time called Pelican Billboards, who uh, was eventually consumed by Lamar. So you can see in the back, I've got one of his uh, paintings from the twenties. I've got all of his old sign making equipment, his sign box uh, with all his brushes from the, you know, thirties and forties still uh, wrapped in, you know, in, in uh, you know, these old timers, as I call them, would, would take the extra step. They wouldn't go to a store if something broke, you know, they would fix it. So I've got kind of an old uh, Jack's beer can that he rolled the edges and would use to to put his paint in. So I, I, again, I, I was lucky because that kind of translated to my father, who, uh, Colleen, this may be the connection, who uh, was in the flooring business his whole life and worked with interior designers and architects throughout his entire life. Uh, repping you know, a variety of different uh, floor flooring materials and things. So in high school, uh, you know, I got exposed to an art teacher who said, you know, uh, well, here are some of the new things that are happening in the commercial art world. So um, again, again, got very lucky. My parents kind of uh, allowed uh, or ushered me into the field just, you know, with the knowledge they had that my grandfather had had done for so many years. So um but, you know, it, again, there was always the, well, we don't want you to be a studio artist. You know, how are you going to, uh, how, how can you turn that into a career? But the commercial art really, really fit. Um, I'm very ADD. Um, so the ad world is fantastic because things are changing, you know, by the minute. Uh, I'm, it, same in the interiors world. It's, it's always uh, changing. So, so you both had the, the temperament and the background, maybe, <laughs> maybe right. you're inherently creative and both, you know, very gifted. So yeah. what, what, what was the next step? I mean, and, and particularly, I guess, Colleen, once you went out on your own after getting experience in the field with, with well-known 
firms. How does one go about getting clients to come with you and really starting your own business, which is a whole different aspect than being talented and being able to design a great space? Well, the interesting thing about going to college at LSU is everybody remembers me like on the sorority bus with all of my drafting materials and my art supplies and whatnot. And we lived in Washington, D.C. for 10 years. So I got really great work experience, had some worked for some really good firms. When I moved back to Louisiana, I intended to go on my own. And then I really ended up connecting with Holden Dupuy out of New Orleans. And they had said, well, why don't you be our Baton Rouge office? Like after, you know, so many of our clients have moved that way after Katrina. And I think you'd have an easy time finding work. At the same time, I was connected with a firm in New Orleans, but I was really the only presence here. So I don't think, you know, we all sort of ate what we killed. So we all brought in our own clients from the get-go. So, you know, it really wasn't so much going on my own as much as just, you know, it, Holden Dupuy in New Orleans at one point and Dupuy retired. And so Ann Holden and I said, okay, I think we'll just all go on our own at this point. But we really already had our own clients. And coming back here and knowing everybody from college, as soon as I got back here, friends of mine who remembered me from college knew I had talent, hired me immediately. So getting clients was sort of like coming home. Interesting. What about you, Brad? Um, how did you build a client base? You know, um, you're hearing Colleen's story, you know, creatives are always, you know, coming up with new ways to do things, right? So we don't just create the artwork or the interiors. We also apply that type of lateral thinking to, you know, everyday occurrences. So, you know, as I worked at other agencies and, uh, you know, outside of this market in other cities, I got to, to uh, you know, I was exposed to different brands, different processes, uh, different things. And I just sat back, my, my dad said, look, when you start working these jobs, just sit back and watch how they do it. You know, he's like, take notes. Uh, he met one of my art directors at the time. He said, look, that person is incredible. He's like, stay attached to him, watch him carefully, just do what he does. And so, you know, I kind of learned uh, by fire, uh, you know, because when you come out of design school, they're not necessarily teaching you uh, the business of design. It's more about the design processes and how to create things. So, uh, you know, the ramp up uh, happened quickly. Um, but as creatives, you know, like I said, I had some freelance clients, even when you work at an agency, I was lucky that these folks were very accepting of, you know, uh, expanding your creativity with, you know, with jobs they normally wouldn't take, little smaller jobs. So uh, working for these agencies, uh, they started to uh, uh, have a couple missteps and I got laid off from one of the big agencies and said, you know, called, called, called home, said, hey, what should I do? <laughs> you know, dad said, well, why don't you move back to Baton Rouge? You've already got a few clients here. A uh, good friend, friend of mine, uh, had Jay Labar, the architect in town. We had been doing some work for him and I, you know, again, picked up the phone, which, you know, going back to what you said earlier with the STEM approach and things, you know, I, I like real world things, you know, pick up the phone. I called Jay. Hey, if I moved to back, back, back to Baton Rouge, you know, how would that help your business? He said, oh, that'd be great. We can continue to do some work. And so uh, work the phones, you know, um, which is something I think a lot of younger folks are getting away from. And, and I'm trying to, you know, as we have interns come in, I say, look, you know, you can go back and forth on email 30 times, you can pick up the phone and probably resolve it within a minute or two. So again, trying to encourage that person to person interaction uh, that I was just kind of forced into, you know, when folks said, all right, thanks, but you know, we got to let you go. So that is, that is so, so yeah. true. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure you found the same thing 
you know, a lot in, in your business, Colleen, tell me what, what sort of, what is your specialty? What is your niche? Both of you, you know, in competitive fields, um, what really makes say, um, Colleen Waggis pack interiors, uh, different than other interior designers? Well, that's easy for me. Um, because, I came from a corporate background. And so when you're doing corporate interiors, you're doing the headquarters of ExxonMobil, and then you're doing a law firm, and then you might be doing the vaccine fund for Alice Albright. And working in Washington, DC and New York, it's always the, the, the global or the corporate headquarters. So you really have to design an office space that is branded to that specific brand, and that functions for that particular brand and creates the culture that they want. And you know when their board comes in from other countries, actually looks like the brand from the minute you walk into what the paper looks like too. So marketing, branding within the interiors world is really what the first part of my career was. Never thought I'd go into residential design, but when I came back to Baton Rouge, and I looked at the corporate firms, it didn't look like it was what I wanted to do. And so I moved into residential. But on the same token, I think what differentiates me from other residential designers is each house, and especially because it's house, and it's not really a house, it's a home, I feel like has to reflect those clients and their lifestyle and their cultural backgrounds and how they like to entertain and how they want to feel at home. And whether they do these days need to create a work from home, multi-purpose rooms, do they have family coming in from out of town? Do they not? So for me, it's still the same exercise. It's really getting to know them on a personal level and designing a space that at the end, they come home and they say, this is my home. This isn't a Colleen Wagaspack interior special. And I think a lot of the other designers work that I look at is very cookie cutter. And they take a lot of clients. I actually don't take a lot of clients. I try to get the same clients, get to know them very well. I'd rather do their house and then do their next house and then do their next house. And when we were bidding on projects in the corporate world, um, we would always say it takes, you know, salary and a half. Every time you lose an employee, it takes salary and a half to hire the next one. So if you lose a $50,000 employee, you're stuck with a $75,000 employee in the exact same spot to replace them because of the amount of time you have to get to know them and train them. And all of that that I learned in the corporate world really carried over to residential. And I said, it takes a lot of energy to work with people in their homes, get to know them on a personal level. You get to know their kids, the cleaning lady, their whether they have pets or whatnot, their personal preferences, how they actually like the financial aspect of it to flow. I'd rather stick with the same people and then do their beach house and then, then just pick up new clients all the time. So I'm real selective about who we work with because it is a personal commitment. And um, we probably do less prod projects than a lot of the other designers. We're um, pretty choosy about the ones that we take, but I feel like each one looks very, very specific to that client and not so specific to us. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Colleen Wagaspack of Colleen Wagaspack Interiors and Brad Bongiovanni of Rocket Science Agency. What about rocket science, Brad? What is the, because I, I mean, I'm more familiar probably with the creative agencies um, in the market just because of my field. And there are a lot. Um, and a lot of them say the same thing. What makes y'all different? Well, you know, I mean, what we do is we inspire people. Um, you know, we do, we do things together. Um, you know, we we build these compelling stories that really are designed to make you stand out. And that's kind of from a very top level. Um, the difference is, and, and again, I, you know, we always do things. I always say if we're doing it the hard way, then that means we're doing it, doing it right. Um, and, and that's a very old school approach. Now, we can do things smarter. We can do things faster. But we we really do 
have this lifetime value with a lot of our clients. You know, in the agency world, there's usually a three to four year turnover. You know, folks will work with an agency and then want to get different perspective or, hey, hey, everything worked great, but we want, you know, something maybe a little different. But we've had clients over our full 20 year lifespan, which is unheard of. And I always ask folks, I, I say, you know, well, why have you worked with us for so long? And they say, well, like, you know, I can pick up the phone and get you that day. Uh, I can get you on the weekend if needed. Um, you know, you always show up. If there's a problem, you say, hey, here's the problem, but here's how we're going to fix it. So, and I, and I tell people all the time, look, we're going to run into issues along the way. That's with any business, but I'm going to bring solutions to the table. I'm going to say, this is what we found. Here's the short-term fix and here's a long-term fix. So, um, you know, I tell people all the time, we're in a market where there is a, a incredible amount of creatives. It really is. Uh, and I've been in other markets before and there's always like these huge mega agencies. And then there's a couple small ones here. We've got a pretty diverse, uh, just in the region, we've got a lot of what I would call small to medium sized agencies. And I tell people all the time, the work is the easy part. Like what we do, what other folks do, you're going to be, if you just hire a professional, you're going to, they're going to do a great job, whether it's me. And I tell people all the time in our, in our pitch, I say, if you like me or like my staff, I said, then we're your, we're your folks. Because if you don't see yourself talking to me or getting along with me on a day to day, well, then we have a problem because you've got to deal with us on a day to day. You know, it's, it's, it's people interacting with people. So, you know, that seems to, that just humble approach seems to, to, you know, really resonate with folks. Um, a lot like Colleen said, you know, you, if we've got this lifetime value with clients where, you know, we're going to be very fair, uh, but we, we just want to be involved. How big are y'all? How many, how many employees do y'all have? There's only 10 now. Um, so, and we've kind of, there's been an ebb and flow, you know, throughout, um, just like everyone is, it, we've been in business nearly 20 years now. So we, we've had different challenges, of course, and, and course corrected. We're in the middle of a, a, a slight, not necessarily a course correct, but kind of a, a repositioning now, just given, uh, you know, circumstances, uh, with travel restrictions and, uh, clients. So we were lucky a little bit, you know, clients came in, they kind of just, they didn't necessarily pull back. They just kind of paused and it's having a reverse effect because now the pause button has been released and everything is coming at once. So, um, I mean, it's a good place to, to, to be, but there's some inherent challenges with that too. So Colleen, how, how many designers do you have and, and assistants and people on your stuff? Well, we've got five full time, but really I'm the only designer. I mean, we have great interns but the difference between corporate world and the residential world is nobody would ever hire me and say, sure, send Emily instead of yourself. Now, I can have people working with me to help install things and to take care of the finances and put their proposals together and to come with me to take measurements and do drawings. But at the end of the day, when somebody hires Colleen Wagaspack and Tears to do their job, it's Colleen Wagaspack. And that was one of the things with um, starting Fig and Dove is we really expanded our business through Fig and Dove and that's grown. And that's a business where I can hire more and more people as that business grows. But on the interior side, at the end of the day, even the CAD drawings, I feel like when I'm drawing it, I'm drawing it to scale and I'm thinking it through and I'm building it in my head the whole time I'm doing it. And nobody's going to hire me and think I'm going to pass off the design work to a junior level staffer. So I think that's another reason we actually keep the number of projects small. And then with Fig and Dove, it's, it's like a, a sister company that has its own sort of couture line of holiday products and other accessories. It really started out because on the interior design side, I felt like, gosh, we do these beautiful homes and then nobody designs Christmas decorations that are really timeless and collectible and 
look appropriate in the homes that we're designing and really things that don't you know clash the decor i mean a lot of people don't have red and green decor and um, you know you bring your christmas decorations you want them to look great in your house um the other thing that was cool about that on the interior design side is we really just went to the artisans that we were working with already and had them do collaborations with us and collect stuff so there was also an artisan level and a story to it so where you're really buying something through fig and dove by a southern artist it's also designed so that it did not have to be put away the day after Christmas. I find a lot of people like the day Christmas is over, they're like, get all the stuff out of my house. A lot of the Fig and Dove items actually stay out year round. And three years into Fig and Dove, when it had really branded itself and was holding its own, then we started expanding our line into sort of a year round home decor, special occasion and gifting. And Fig and Dove actually is doing quite well. COVID was actually very good for Fig and Dove because people were sitting home they were shopping online and they were looking for personalized gifts to send out to friends. So actually, Fig and Dev had its best year last year, which is great because it allowed us to add more employees. Yeah, Colleen, if I can go from Christmas red and green and then just turn, sw uh, flip a switch and have Mardi Gras colors because we'll keep the green, right? Then we'll be good going into, you know, uh, late March. We did really well in wreaths, okay? Yeah. And then... It came into like, what can we take off? Like we want to leave our wreath on our front right. door. So what can we take off? So we came up with this really, really, really simple concept. Because when I say like my ideas, if you look at the fig and dev side, they're always very simply executed. And I'm not a very fluffy designer and a very decorative designer. My sense is like very pared down, whether it's traditional or modern, it's always pared down. So we came up with this thing called the wreath sash, which is literally like a glorified, elegant, very simple, just tie that you tie in a knot around a wreath, no bow, because a designer, I'm not a bow person. And it was very, very simple. And I was at the Met in, uh, they were doing the Heavenly Bodies exhibit in New York, what, three summers ago. And I saw the papal vestments had this like very structured, simple sash thing around their waist. And I said, well, it's a wreath sash. I don't like to tie a bow, never figured out how to tie a bow. Um, I always tie things in a knot, but we could use the same beautiful simple fabrics that reason the fig and dev side and we could call this thing a resash the funny thing is if you google resash right now and you see the number of people selling resashes it's unbelievable i came up with the term more was like people say they're knocking you off i'm like well how can they not knock us off it was so easy at this i'll always remember it was me so so we kind of post the story you know every three to six months when we see a lot of knockoffs just to say okay that's cool but just remember i came up with it that's pretty cool. I wonder, Brad, if you ever had people steal your ideas or sort uh, of hard always. and creative, probably. But <laughs> well, no, and and we do, and um, we've had work for very large companies that we've put out there, and then we see their competitors kind of knock off what what we've just done for them, and and that's, I mean, it happens. It's I don't, I I try not to lose uh, sleep over it. You know, I think maybe folks saw it and said, "Wow, that looks great." You know, uh, in our industry, it's always you know. Uh, graphic designers tend to uh, what we say borrow inspiration from other folks, um, and and you know not necessarily copy, but again when we start going into planning and doing mood boards, putting concepts on the wall, it's it's things that have already been created, but we're trying to find why these things work, uh, what makes them attractive, what fits with the audience that we're trying to you know speak to, and then develop from there. So there is you know it's a natural part of the creative process to grab things that have already been created. Now, you know, I don't want to put anything, I, I'm not going to copy and put that out there, but, and I know other folks do, but, um, uh, 
you know, I think that's what separates the professionals from, you know, everyone else. Like that is a big subject, taking other people's work. And especially in the world of Instagram, where, I mean, sometimes, honestly, on Big and Dev's side, we put up photography every day. We're using our clients' homes that we're doing on the interior design side. And we're always, you know, actually posting things in there. When we see other people posting the pictures that I took in a job, I actually designed our product and then actually just posting it as their own. And then I see them answering questions about it as if they're their own. And people are like, oh, where did you get that mirror? Or where did you get the this? Okay, well, that actually really bothers me. At the same time, with creatives, you kind of say, you're kind of over your idea. Like once it's implemented, either you're the next idea. So I'm like, okay, well, they stole that idea, but they're already two steps behind me and I'll come up with the next idea. So you'll never beat me at that. That's why I don't have tattoos because so, as soon as I put it on, I'm going to want to change it. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I really do love it. I just can't do it. <laughs> well, I don't love it, but that's a really good point. I would get yeah, sick of it. I would there definitely get... Yeah, that was yep. yesterday. You know, I've right. Well, Colleen Wagaspack and Brad Bongiovanni, I wish we had more time to visit with both of you because this has been such a fun discussion and y'all are both adding so much to Baton Rouge, to the economy and to the output of creative product. And so we really appreciate y'all taking time to share your experiences and insights with us today on Out to Lunch. Well, thank you for having us. This has been so enjoyable. Yep, thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Colleen Wagaspack of Colleen Wagaspack Interiors and Brad Bongiovanni of Rocket Science Agency. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversations and find out more about Colleen Wagaspack Interiors and Rocket Science by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. We're going to go back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table at Mansur's on the Boulevard soon. In the meantime, you can go there. Mansur's is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.